Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we're going through the Gospel of Luke. We're at the beginning of chapter 23. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 today. But what's happening now is is that we're, we're getting ready to speed through. Luke doesn't spend as much time as some of the other Gospel writers with all of the details of Jesus' crucifixion. But he does give us enough to make his point that he wants us to see. So today we're going to be at the beginning of chapter 3. We're going to see two different trials. These happen privately. This is not a public trial that's going on. The Jewish leaders bring Jesus to Pilate. We're going to see Pilate wrestle with what to do with Jesus. He sends them over to Herod, King Herod. We're going to see King Herod kind of, kind of addressing the issue with Jesus. And we're going to learn from this because what we're going to see here, we're going to see, number one, what Jesus goes through for you and I. That's the first thing. Because all of this is part of what's going on as he's enduring the suffering and the shame before he goes to the cross for you and I. We're going to see that. Number two, we're going to look and see again human hearts. We're going to look and see about people who are not willing, who have no interest in wanting to deal with the reality of Jesus. Because what you're going to see is it's almost almost crazy because they're going to say at one point, Pilate's going to say, "I, I find him innocent. But he doesn't end the process. He doesn't end what's going to happen. And that reveals something about the human heart. So we're going to look at that today. So I want you to notice with me, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. And then I'm going to give you what I want you to see today from this passage. Then look look at verse 1 of chapter 23 of Luke. Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation, forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if this man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously there had been enmity with each other. 
what we're going to do is we're going to break this down into two sections. We're going to see, first of all, Jesus before Pilate. We're going to break that down in one section. You're going to see that in verses 1 through 7. And then we're going to see some things we can learn from Jesus before Herod. So let's look, first of all, before Pilate, verses 1 to 7. Here's what's going on. Let me help you to understand what's happening, because you may be wondering, well, they already found him guilty. Why they got to go to Pilate? Well, let me explain what's going on. At this point in the history of Israel, Israel was under the domination of the Romans. Now, the Romans basically set up government. They allowed people to have self-rule, self-government, but they had the final say in a lot of the matters. So basically, they allowed the Jews, their council, or their Sanhedrin, to kind of guide the nation, to kind of set up the civil law and rules at that point. And they could do anything. They could basically have the place under their rules, but they couldn't do one thing. They could not execute anyone. They couldn't deliver a death sentence. Only the Romans in the Roman Empire could execute anyone. That had to be the decision of the Roman emperor or his representative. So here they are. They're the Jewish leaders, and they find him guilty of blasphemy. And so therefore, according to Jewish laws, he was to be killed. And according to Jewish law, he had to be stoned. But they don't have that right to stone anybody. They don't have that right to kill anybody. So what they do is that they got to go take him to the Roman authorities and have him killed there. Now, here's the problem. The Roman authorities did not like to involve themselves into religious arguments or religious discussions. And the fact of why they wanted him killed had to do with religion. So what they're going to do is, is they appear before the Roman governor, who is Pilate, who has the authority to execute anyone if he wants to. And so they've got to make it seem like that the issue is, is that Jesus is an insurrectionist. They're not going to talk about the blasphemy issue. And you'll notice that when they talk. They're not talking about blasphemy. They're going to talk about Jesus being an insurrectionist and that he's a threat to Rome and therefore he must die. So that's what's going on here. They bring him, the Jewish leaders, bring Jesus to Pilate for him to level a condemnation, therefore causing him to be died, to be killed, which the Romans did by crucifixion. Here's what I want you to see is going on here. Look with me, verses 1 to 2. Look, first of all, at what goes on with these Jewish leaders. Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him. This is talking about Jesus. They began to accuse Jesus, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation. That's referring to the nation of, of Judea there, the Palestine, the, the Israel at that point, and forbidding them to pay taxes to Caesar. So he's accusing Jesus, they're accusing Jesus of teaching the people not to pay their taxes to Caesar. That was a serious thing now, because that's what Caesar did in these provinces. He wanted the money so that Rome could function. All right, now here's what's going. Saying that he himself is the Christ, a king. So again, that's the most serious charge, because in the Roman Empire, there's only one king. Who's that? Caesar. And he doesn't have any competitors. Here's what's going on here. Here's what I want you to see, because you're saying, wow, aren't they lying? Isn't that a lie? Because first of all, he's not perverting the nation. He never caused any kind of insurrection. When it came to the taxes thing, didn't Jesus say, pay your taxes? 
And as far as claiming himself to be a king, he didn't come in with any insurrection. Aren't they lying? Well, here's what I want you to see about men's hearts and the issue of unbelief. Rejection justifies falsehood in order to achieve its desires. See, the point is, is not the truth here. They're not interested in truth. All that really matters to these guys is, is we found him guilty. We need to get rid of him. So we'll do what we need to do to get rid of him. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the issue here. The issue before Pilate isn't whether or not it's true. The issue before Pilate and with these Jewish leaders is how do we get rid of him? And so if we've got to say some false statements about him, it really doesn't matter. We're going to do what it takes to get rid of him. That's the issue here. Nothing's changed, folks. Some of you, you, for instance, you have friends maybe who, or loved ones who don't believe in Jesus or who don't believe in God, and, and maybe you're, you're, you're the type of person that you struggle so much to try to prove to them that your Jesus is real or that your Jesus has risen from the dead or that God is real, and you, you buy books and you give them books and you spend money on lots of books to get them to read, or you, you maybe bring them a CD and hope that they listen to the CD or whatever because you're trying to convince them. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, rejection isn't really concerned about truth. It's not really concerned about how many facts you have. Because here's the thing, they'll go off on a tangent with something that's not true in order to what? Disprove what you're saying. Why? Because they don't want to accept it. They've already made up their mind to what? Reject it. Because think about it for a moment. We're talking about the Jewish leaders They know that Jesus was healing. They know that Jesus could raise the dead. They know that there's something different about them. How many guys do you see walking around doing that kind of thing? What mattered to them was is they didn't want him. And they wanted to get rid of him. So rejection justifies falsehood in order to achieve its desire. Here's what I want you to see. The next point I want you to see here is this. It's not about the truth. It's not about the truth, but rather what is expedient. Don't confuse the issue with the facts. That's what they're saying here. Don't confuse the issue with the truth. It's not about truth. We're not interested in truth here. We're not interested in what's real and what's not. We're only interested in what's expedient, what needs to happen right now, what needs to happen to keep the status quo. And what's the status quo with these guys? Being in charge, being in control. That's the issue. It's not about the truth. It's rather what's expedient. What do we need to do to get what we want? And what they want is to get rid of Jesus. So here you are. You've got this Roman governor now who's Pilate, who is by – it's interesting. When you read this, you see he's kind of reluctant to do something here. That's not Pilate's nature by – History tells us that his, his nature was is that he had people killed all the time. He had them slaughtered. He was a pretty brutal man. But for some reason, in this instance, he senses something different, and he hears that one of the accusations is, is that Jesus is claiming to be the Christ. And so notice what he does. Are you the king of the Jews? And notice how Jesus responds. This is interesting. because He did this with the chief priest. He said, well, you say that I am. What's Jesus doing? 
He's trying to get Pilate to make a decision about him. He's trying to get Pilate to make a decision about who he is and what he's going to do with him. But I want you to see this. Here's what Pilate does. It's easier to pass off the decision than to deal with Jesus. Because the first thing Pilate does is, says, you know, wow, I don't see any problem with him. I find him innocent. And immediately, notice what the text says. The Jewish leaders became more enraged, more angry, and said, well, he started from Galilee. He's all the way down here now. He's causing a big problem. He's stirring up stuff. They're trying to convince him. Now, here's what happens. As soon as Pilate hears the word Galilee, he says, what? Wait a minute now. That's not my jurisdiction. That's not even the area I'm in charge of. Is this guy from Galilee? And as soon as he finds out he's a Galilean, he says, this is Herod's problem, not my own. What's going on here? He knows Jesus is innocent, but he doesn't want to make the decision. And see, here's the, it's easier to pass off the decision than to deal with it. Do you know what I'm saying? It's easier to, even though you may recognize some things about Jesus, rather than commit yourself to a decision concerning him, it's easier just to pass it off and say, well, you know, somebody else can make that decision, or I'll make that decision later. It's easier just to pass it off than to deal with it. That's what's going on here, which brings me to the next point I want you to see. Because here's the problem, though. Delaying a decision is a decision. Delaying a decision is a decision. Because even though Pilate is not making a decision about Jesus, he is making a decision. He's rejecting Jesus. You know, you'll talk to people and they'll say, well, you know, I hear what you're saying, man, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready to make that decision. Folks, that's a decision. There is no maybes with Jesus. Either either he is who he is and you accept him or you don't accept him. If you're saying you're not at the point to accept him, that's a decision. You're not going to accept him. And so Pilate's thinking, I'll just pass it off. Give it to Herod. He's the guy who's supposed to be making this decision. And it just so happened that Herod was in Jerusalem at that time. Now, let me explain to you who Herod is. First of all, Herod is not Herod the Great that we see when Jesus is born. Herod the Great is actually King Herod's father. Now, Herod the Great, when he was in charge, was in charge of all of Israel. But when he died, the Romans didn't want one guy having that much power anymore, so that he divided basically King Herod the Great's, you know, what he was in charge of into four different areas. And he divided it among Herod's sons. Now, Herod had a son by the name of Archelaus who died not soon after he took over, and then rather giving it to Herod, who was up in Galilee, and saying, here, you can take your brother's possession, they took it themselves, and that's why Pilate is in charge of that area. Now, you'll see later that because Pilate's in charge of this area of the kingdom, and now Herod, the son of Herod the Great, is up here, they didn't like each other. They didn't trust each other. So, but Herod is in charge of the area where Jesus came from, which is Galilee. So Pilate says, well, you know what? He's from there. I'll let Herod take care of it. So here's what he do. He sends him to Herod, and here's what we see happening. Three things. First of all, what we see is, is that 
Herod's interested in Jesus because he's heard all of these stories about Jesus and all of these miracles and stuff. And so he's kind of excited that Jesus is coming to him. Even though he's coming as a prisoner, he's kind of excited because he's hoping, notice what the text says, he's hoping that Jesus will do some kind of miracle for him. This brings me to my first point. Self-interest dominates the consideration of Jesus. Self-interest dominates the consideration of Jesus. That's true to this day. What's going on here? Herod's not interested in Jesus for who Jesus is and whether Jesus is who he really is or not. Herod's only interested in Jesus for what he can get out of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? His interest in Jesus isn't for the reality of who Jesus is and the justice of the situation and whether or not he really is who he says he is or whether or not he's in, is innocent or not, that doesn't really enter into Jesus' into Herod's mind. Herod's interested only in one thing, a show. He's interested in seeing something spectacular happen because he's heard all these things about Jesus. He's thinking, well, why can't he do that in front of me now? In fact, that's what he does. He has Jesus come. He tries to see if Jesus will do a miracle. What does Jesus do? Nothing. Nothing. Because here's the thing. God's not here for you. Can I put that? You want to write that down? Maybe you don't like me saying that, but I'm going to say that to you. God's purposes and why he's here isn't for you and what you want out of him. Because here's the thing. You know, I've been a pastor now over 20 years. I've been here 12 Twelve and a half now. Do you realize I've been here twelve and a half years now? We just here's the thing. I've watched people come through these doors. They come for different reasons. Some of them have nothing to do with Jesus. It has to do with what they can get, what the church will do for them, or what God will do for them. They're not here for God. They're here for what God will do for them. Now, there is a blessing by seeking after God, and God does love us, and God does do for us, but that's not the primary reason why we come to him. We come to him because of who he is. But see, here's what Herod's doing. He's going to Jesus, and he's wanting Jesus to do something for him. And when Jesus doesn't do that, here's what always happens. Here's the next point. Mockery is often the choice means of addressing Jesus. See, when God doesn't do what you want him to do, or when Jesus doesn't do what you want him to do, and if you don't want to deal with who he is, the best resort, the most likely resort it will happen is, is you'll just mock him. You'll ridicule him. Boy, nothing's changed there, right? You see people that don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, what do they do? Well, he's just crazy. That's just craziness. They're just crazy. They mock them. It's the easiest method to try to, dis- to dismiss Jesus is just make fun of it. Rather than consider who he is, we're just going to make fun of it. We're not going to deal with him. That's what Herod's doing here. It says Herod and his mighty men of valor. What's that? His soldiers. They ridicule him. They mock him. Oh, you're a king. So they put a robe on him, put an elaborate, nice robe on him, and saying, well, you're a king. Here, you're a king. And that's often the choice means of addressing Jesus is just to mock him, just to dismiss him. But here's the thing. Notice what the text says. Look with me at verse 11 and 12. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous garment, and here's what it says, and sent him back to Pilate. 
What's going on here? He doesn't even address the issue. It's sort of not, not even like Pilate did. You remember Pilate said? Oh, I don't, what did Pilate say? Pilate says, well, I don't find any problem with him. But then as soon as he finds out he's from Galilee, he sends him off. Here's what Herod does. Herod doesn't even pass any kind of judgment. He, what does he do? He just sends him back to Pilate. Here's what happens. There is often a refusal to address the issue. On one hand, the best way to address it is to mock it, is to make fun of it, discredit it. But Herod goes one step further. He's just going to say, I'm not going to deal with this issue. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to pass it off. I'm just not going to deal with it. And that's what some people do. The reality is, is they hear about Jesus. They have to make a decision about him. But here's what they do. They just simply make the decision, well, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to answer it. I'm not going to have to make a decision because, as far as I'm concerned, there's no decision to be made. Let somebody else worry about it. If that's good enough for you, fine. You deal with it. But for me, I'm not going to address it. That's the attitude we have here. Do you see the darkness of the human heart? Luke is doing two things here. He's showing us the humiliating circumstances which Jesus is going through. He's innocent. But that doesn't really matter. It's not about what the truth is. It's about what's expedient. People want to get rid of him. So what does he do? He's showing us the human heart here. The human heart is not interested in truth. It's only interested in what the human heart wants. The human heart, if it had to, will pass off the decision and let somebody else worry about it. In fact, the human heart will get to the place where if it can't deal with it, it will just make fun of it, try to discredit it, mock it. And then finally, the human heart at the last resort will just say, you know what, I'm not going to make a decision about this. But remember what I said to you. There's only two decisions to make about Jesus. You either accept him for who he is or you don't. And if you put it off or pass it off or make no decision, that's what? A decision. That's a decision. Well, you're saying, okay, George, how do we take this? Because there's one more trial yet to happen. We'll look at that next week. It's the final trial, back before Pilate. But as we're considering these true trials, before Pilate, before Herod, how do we take this passage and we apply it to our lives? Well, here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you two questions and get you to think about something, and then I'm going to give you an action point. Here's my question. And this is for both the person who claims to be a Christian or who who professes to be a Christian, you've accepted Jesus, or someone here who's just seeking, they haven't made a decision about Jesus, But here's the question. You've got to deal with this. This question is for everyone here. Are you putting off the issue of Jesus? Well, you might be here and you're saying, well, you know what, George? I've accepted Jesus. I'm saved. I've asked Jesus into my heart. I haven't put off that decision. No, no, listen to me. There's more to it than just that. Because saying you love Jesus means you're going to do what Jesus tells you to do. You're going to obey him. And for some of you, you may be here and you're saved, but you're still putting Jesus off because maybe he's addressing something in your life and he's telling you to do something, but you're not ready to make that decision yet. It may be that you're here and you're not a Christian. You're, you're just seeking. You're, you're wondering. You've still got to make a choice. You've got to make a decision about Jesus. It's not something you can put off. So the question for all of us here, for myself and for you, is this. Are we putting Jesus off? Are we putting off the issue of Jesus and what he wants for our lives off? We're not willing to make that decision. 
And so, so if you're here right now, probably the Holy Spirit's talking to you right now, talking to you about an area of your life where you've got to make a decision about him, whether it's him himself in belief or whether it's about something in your life that he's telling you to do, but you're not willing to do it. Are you putting off the decision about Jesus? Are you putting off the issue of Jesus? Here's the second one. What means are you using to ignore the issue of Jesus? Huh? What are you saying, George? What means are you using to ignore the issue of Jesus in your life? What do you mean means? Well, let's look. We've already seen several of them here. The first one is, is you ignore the facts and the truth to get what you want. The second one is you're just going to pass it off. Let somebody else make the decision about it. You're just going to ignore it. And remember now, passing it off is a decision in itself. The other one is, we see it with Herod, is, is that if you can't really deal with it, you try to discredit it. You try to mock it. You don't want to deal with it, so you try to belittle it. Or you maybe are at the point where you're not going to make any decision whatsoever. You're just not going to address it. You're not going to deal with it. See, you and I, we've got to deal with Jesus in one way or another. We either accept what he's saying or we don't accept it. And that don't accepting it, that ignoring it, it's going to express itself in several different ways. I'll go through them again with you. You're either going to ignore the truth for what you want. You're either going to pass it off. Well, I'm not going to deal with this right now. Let somebody else worry about that. I'm not going to make that decision. You're either going to make a mockery or ridicule it. Or you're just going to make come to the place where you're going to say what? I'm just not going to make a decision here. Let somebody else worry about it. I'm not going to make the decision. See, that's the thing. What means are you using to ignore the issue of Jesus in your life? And again, let me top for a moment. For some of you, it's just the simple issue of whether or not you're going to believe in him. But for others of you, you do believe him. And it's an issue now of whether or not you're going to do what he's telling you to do in your life. And for some of you... You've been ignoring him, and you're using some sort of means to ignore him. What are you using? Why am I asking you that? Why do you got to wrestle with that? Because here's the thing. You've got to make a decision about Jesus. He either says he is who he is or not. You've got to make a decision. And if he is who he says he is, you either believe him or not. If he says he is who he is, then you've got to do what he says for you or not. That's reality. So here's your action point. Here's what you're going to do. I gave you this to you last week. Here's what you've got to do, whether you are a believer or not. Decide what you're going to do with Jesus' claims. Don't put the decision off. Don't pass it off. Don't ignore it. Don't mock it. Don't justify your actions so you can get what you want. Examine the truth claims of what Jesus is saying for you, what he says about who he is, what he did for you. Examine them, and you've got to decide this week, what are you going to do with them? You know what? You can't do it right now. Some of you maybe can, but some of you are going to have to take some time this week and really process it through your mind and think about it. Jesus, who are you? Are you who you really are? You're going to have to process that. Jesus, if you have accepted him for who you are, you're going to have to process the whole issue. What do you want from me? What are you asking from me? Am I willing to do what you're asking me to do, Jesus? But you've got to make a decision. You've got to decide. See, that's what we're confronted with when we look at the crucifixion of Jesus. We're not just confronted with the reality of someone who died for us. 
that in itself is horrific. But what we're confronted with is the darkness of our own hearts. Aren't you glad he made us new? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.